movie time Digging through the crates of the throwbacks We don't know yet Sit back while Diane and Jess examine this hot mess Cause it can be no classic unless it passes the smell test You smell it Hello and welcome to the smell test the weekly podcast where we reviewed beloved movies from our past to see whether as of today, December 2023, they still hold up culturally, ethically, humorously, and through our own personal gut checks. We conclude the episode by judging whether or not the film we watched passes the smell test. Before we get started, a few disclaimers. This podcast solely represents the opinion of podcasters and is meant for entertainment purposes. Sometimes we say people are dead and they're not in real life. These things happen. Yeah, we also they will, will die eventually. <laughs> they will die someday. Uh, this podcast will also include spoilers. So if you have somehow missed the movie Love Actually in your life and you feel like you don't want it ruined today, then uh, please pause and go listen, watch the movie. Maybe if you have seven hours <laughs> my name is Jessica. <laughs> it's the longest movie ever. my name is jessica homer i am an attorney and i will say about this movie before we get started that i actually do not like a romantic comedy so so beyond the lens of me normally looking at things through kind of like an ethical perspective i'm an employment lawyer from through uh by trade but my um my least favorite kind of movie is a romantic comedy. <laughs> so I think that's valuable for today. Uh, I was born in 1981. Diane, tell us about yourself. Well, first things first. I think the employment lawyer thing is going to come up a bit today. A couple I times. <laughs> a couple times. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm Diane. I was born in the year 1987. So I was 16 when this movie came out in 2003. I watched it when I was 17. Um, I am a PhD student. I do a lot of stuff, um, but I do, uh, I focus a lot on, which I guess would be relevant today, organizational dynamics <laughs> and, <laughs> um, it, like relationships and how those, how a, a work culture perhaps could impact, um, you know, things going on in the workplace. Uh, I also, uh, I'm an ethics scholar, if you will. Jess and I, um, I guess I never mentioned this, but I did recruit Jess to co-write a uh, book chapter with me on ethics. So, we'll oh, yeah. both, so, uh, so I need to get in touch with you about that you. offline. <laughs> <laughs> but Jess and I will be co-authors on an ethics chapter, hey. um, which will be very exciting. And it will be about ethics in the workplace. <laughs> um <laughs> So yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> Love Actually, 2003 movie. And often, I would say that this movie greatly divides people. It is a love or hate movie kind of across the board, but it deals hate with- actually. What? <laughs> hate, actually. Hate, comma, well, actually. And so the beginning part of this movie, and just, we're gonna briefly go through the nine different strings of love stories we're talking about here. So this love span, this idea- of this movie is that love actually is all around us so we deal with um romantic partners we deal with uh uh families like father-son relationships and everything kind of in between so just to quickly go through them david is the prime minister and his love story surrounds natalie 
And Natalie is neighbors with Mia, who interrupts the relationship or gets involved in the relationship between Emma and Alan Rickman. Uh, I'm sorry, Karen and Karen and Harry. I'm trying to use the characters instead of all the actor names, but Emma. It's Thompson. an ensemble cast. Though, it is. So there's 129 believe. people in this fucking movie. All right. Um. So, K- uh, Karen and. Harry are married and Mia is Harry's assistant. Uh, They're also connected. Karen is really good friends with Daniel, who just lost his wife and now is raising her son alone. So his stepson, Sam. We also have Colin and arguably Tony is part of his love story. Colin and Tony are best friends and Colin is a sex crazed maniac who wants to go to America because all of us are hot hose over here apparently um we have jamie and his cheating girlfriend (laughs) uh jamie and his cheating girlfriend uh and his eventual love story with aurelia john and judy who work as uh set actors and prop actors to get lighting right for pornography movies billy mack the rock star the fading rock star and his uh his manager joe and then we have uh, the three, um, the love triangle of Peter, Mark, and Juliet, which is arguably the thing that people, I think the most memeable part of like the piece of the movie that people remember the most with the cards and the Christmas carols. And then we also have uh, Sarah and Carl. And Sarah is a love struck. She actually works for Harry, but Sarah is a love struck um woman who also has a mentally ill brother who she is the sole caretaker for so that interrupts her relationship with carl and that is your introduction to the very quick introduction to the nine care nine storyline so before we ask our normal start question last week i told you diane who that i have like two actors like my two favorite actors that i'm the most in love with one of them is in this movie you want to guess who it is alan rickman no, but as nerdy, Martin Freeman, I am obsessed. Oh, <laughs> he's yeah, my he's cute. Martin, yeah, Martin Fre- Freeman and Indris Elba are the pe- the actors I'm most in love with. So Angle I will say if you talk shit about him today, I will defend him regardless. Okay, so tell me he why. Has, like the least problematic, like given yeah. everything. Yeah, actually, the he, sweetest. He's one of the least problematic most, people. The, yeah. the sweetest and most innocent love story, even Which though- Which is hilarious considering they're naked the entire time. <laughs> All right, so tell me why this movie was important for us to watch today. Um. Okay, well, you know, I actually, funny thing. I haven't actually watched a lot of um holiday movies but this is one i would say that i watch with with a pretty consistently each holiday season um i'm like i i'm always like super aware this is just me preemptively defending myself uh (laughs) i think i've i've grown up like very or in you know in the past like 10 years or so I've been pretty aware of how problematic it is but I think I kind of like pushed that away a little bit Mm -hmm. but then like when I had to actually watch it with a mind for like how problematic it is I was like oh shit but my relationship with this movie 
Um, I remember watching it when I was 17, and it was one of the first movies that I actually cried to. Aww. Um, I, yeah, you know, and it it joins the the films, uh, the hot chick. I cried during the hot chick, so I feel like maybe <laughs> okay. I just, I mean, love actually makes sense to cry during certain parts, and I'll mm-hmm. explain that later. But, um, I feel like. Uh, maybe I was a little like going through some shit when I watched these or something but love actually I remember I have a distinct memory of I'm pretty sure I own this I'm pretty sure I own this film and I remember one year watching it with my husband Jan when we lived in Ithaca New York so either it's 2009 2010 and I remember like loving it so much that like we had to go through all the um film extras so like you have done real research yeah like i literally watched which i think we need to discuss i have literally and i don't do that with many movies i remember sitting so like we had this apartment in ithaca that we rented sight unseen and it is since like it was featured and like so it was right down the street from Cornell and like the Cornell student newspaper like did an expose on how shitty this apartment was. <laughs> and there's like a part like there's pictures of our apartment like five years after we lived there and it looked like the same but worse. But anyway, it was uh, it used to be a giant house that was then converted into different um different apartments and we lived in the attic what used to be the attic Mm -hmm. and uh so our our walls were like hella slanted so you didn't really have much usable space because your walls were so slanted okay everyone needs to know that her husband is seven feet tall like they're gonna come visit me and i was like will he fit in my house i'm genuinely concerned because it's a small house but i did get a seven and a half foot christmas tree that touches the ceiling so he won't be able to raise his arm he'll have some he'll have some headroom but like basically we this apartment was one giant room and then you had a tiny kitchen and like a tiny like space that jutted out that was supposedly like your living room which was actually a gorgeous place because it was surrounded by windows um like the walls were windows but then you had another giant room. So we spent a lot of our time and we only had one TV that was hooked up to the cable. So we spent a lot of time in this giant bedroom. And so I remember being in this giant bedroom watching Love Actually and then being so fascinated by it that I just had to watch all the extras. Um, I love it. So that's yeah. cute. That's like a core memory. That's like a cute little like relationship memory i like it yeah i guess so um <laughs> i don't now know let's I... tear it apart <laughs> yeah like exactly so i will say i have um red think pieces on this so mm-hmm. if you all are interested in tearing this apart more uh lindy west wrote a think piece i think in like 2014 about how this is like the worst film ever um and there's a lot of a lot of think pieces about it now um but so since then i've watched it and i've been like yeah like okay i'll acknowledge that but it's not so bad so i have definitely definitely downplayed it and prioritized watching it um most holiday seasons still yeah 
So I have seen, so I told you all, I don't like romantic comedies. This is kind of the one that I allowed in, which is funny because, because I actually love, and not all of it's comedy. There's plenty of drama in this that is just drama, but um, I watched this movie. I used to love it. I think when it came, I don't think I saw it in theaters, but, and I would have been 22 when it came out. So like, this was, a, this is a movie that I've seen several times as an adult and I used to love it. And then a couple years ago, I made Eric watch it with me and he was like, that was awful. And I go, yeah, it's not what I thought about when I was 22, you mm -hmm. know? And I think that that's one of those pieces where we really see like as we grow and mature the things we idolize when we were little when we were young when we were formative are just not hitting the same no. way however no. I will say and I'm going to say this early because our conversation sometimes changes my mind regardless there were several teams several scenes in this movie that made me big smile mm -hmm. like big smile and yeah. I love and I still love so, yep. you know, this is one of those ones where we talk about ethics are, ethics are so fun to talk about because because we do this rationalizing out of people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, like, oh, but did you see Sam running through the airport? Jumping so through the cute. He's a little cutie. Yeah. And then he becomes the kid in the maze runner. So you still love him. Like, you know, so we rationalize these out. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's the fun part about talking about ethics. And I don't understand why people don't love talking about ethics. Because this is the perfect example. Because it's like... Have you heard of the term ethical fading? No. So I ethical fading is a term used to describe when people do that. Like when they are... <laughs> Like they are aware that some things maybe not as ethical or, um, you know, like the, the example that's often given is fast fashion. Mm -hmm. So people will buy fast fashion and wear fast fashion. And so they, they will justify why it's okay. Right. So I've, I've seen, and I've done it myself, like, oh, well, I I can't afford better or, oh, this is size inclusive, whatever, whatever you use. Mm -hmm. But there's a, there's something that happens cognitively where we will like overemphasize one value to downplay another one. Right. Yep. Um, so like with this movie, I would say I overemphasize the, but it's about love and isn't right. love great and it's all around us um and then i downplay you know like transphobia and like mm -hmm. stuff like that you know so um so yeah i think this is definitely a movie that gets a lot of my ethical fading <laughs> i did that with i feel like that was my christmas tree argument this week so mm. i don't <clears throat> i celebrate christmas for the like festivity the culture, and the culture, the, the yeah. pagan parts of Christmas is what I celebrate, right? Like I want treat, I want presents, we eat. I don't spend a lot of time with Jesus on it, right? But, um, and if you do spend a lot of time with Jesus, he wasn't born in December, right? But like those kind of things, right? So I think he also like wasn't weird. white, right? Let's <laughs> keep that in mind. And actually on that Mrs. Davis show, Clue, they oh. made Jesus actually look like he was from where he was from. Anyway, um, it was offline. Tell offline tell me <laughs> offline references to that Mrs. Davis show on Peacock, which I just watched and I quite enjoyed. But and I and I always get a real tree. But then I was like, 
am I subscribing to killing a tree? Like, and then I was like really in my head. I got really in my head about it. And at, like, should I not have a real tree in my house? Because that's like not good for the environment to like keep on buying into this system. But I also buy almond milk and I have this like swirl. And I then also buy almond milk. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's causing drought. I'm just saying. Yeah, I see it. I see it. All those pieces. So, yeah. Okay. Anyway, I got on. Well, interestingly, I think there's actually like research done that buying a live tree is better for the environment than buying a plastic tree. Well, did you buy a plastic tree this I year? Good. Oh, I well. did. I That's did okay. the the end deal breaker was because I just bought a tree this weekend for some reason it was half off. Hell yeah. So the real tree, the fake tree is the same price as a real tree. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there's some ways we could ethically fade that away. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to have to use it forever until I die. And then, you know, I had a teacher who decorated a Christmas tree for every season. Yeah. Never took it. Juanica down. does that. She has a tree oh. that doesn't come down in her house. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Fun. All right. Back to this movie. So I, you oh, know, I can I just make one more point about yeah. the consumption thing? Uh -huh. So I like to say that as child child free people yes we are causing less destruction to the world <laughs> yeah than, elon musk is mad at us than too. what having children does to the world so <laughs> i justify i can eat all the fucking burgers i want because i didn't contribute to the climate crisis by boring children um, so that's my logic. So buy the fucking tree. Buy the fucking tree. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. So first of all, Eric, when we, you know, I had said to my husband really early on, I don't want kids. Like, is that cool? And he's like, yeah, I don't want kids either. And then I saw him with kids and I was like, fuck, am I like taking away like is he just saying that to placate me? And he's like, no, I really no, I really don't want kids. And, um, and he's like, I want my goal in life is to be a dink. So yeah. he's always called us that. And then like right now, all of a sudden on X and like, we're trending again because of we're selfish, terrible yep. people. Right. Some asshole really say, did I tell you this? No. Some guy really said that we are selfish because we should take lower paying jobs. Cool. Because we don't have to pay for kids. And I'm like, bitch, I pay for your kids. I pay school tax. And I will always pay school tax. Happy to do it. You need right. people like right. me. I want that. <laughs> and the biggest form of social welfare, period, full stop, is the child tax credit that every parent gets at tax time. That is the yeah. number one bleed of our welfare system. I'm also not complaining about that. I'm contributing right. towards it, right. but shut the fuck up. <laughs> okay. All right. That, no, I agree. Um, plus, I, I'd like to think some of us, because I get feedback, I'm good with kids. And I think, yeah, that's because I can have the patience with them because I give them the fuck back. So, right. 100%. 100%. Anyway, some of the cute parts in this film, I would say, were kid related. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and th those, th those, uh, those hold up. 
So, um, I think here's my first question about this. Let's talk about Liam Neeson's storyline with Daniel, Daniel Uh and Sam. So, so could you get over? Okay. In my head, one of the reasons that that storyline is so upsetting. Yeah. Because his wife did die. Yeah. She died like six years later and she died skiing. Yeah. And so it was like, out of nowhere totally like and she was so freak accident yeah and so now watching it i'm like yeah no no that's one of the things that gets me is it like hurts me to know that he acted through this scene and then he experienced that six years later and i remember the footage of it was natasha richardson who Mm was an actress uh seemed like an all-around great woman yeah (laughs) he's never gotten married again i know i googled it and i was like liam neeson i love you this is so sad but like so it's hard for me to not compare like how he acted through that scene Mm -hmm. versus how he actually experienced his wife's death and spoke at her funeral right uh, so yeah what do we think is it creepy to help a kid who says he's in love with someone he's never talked to is that creepy <laughs> let's start there <laughs> so you know I feel like you want I I don't want to say I I think that this was like such an endearing conversation like everything about that is endearing to me because he didn't say go up and kiss her he didn't say like go up and touch her like it was very much like tell people how you feel and that's like that's why i don't like romantic comedies because we spend so much time not telling people how we feel right Right. but he Mm -hmm. let the kid through this period of great grief like oh my god the scene where he's like i know i'm only supposed to be thinking about mom right now but i am devastated by love oh oh murderous murderous i can't it got me in the gut so i so i think you know there was nothing that pushed past innocent. He did talk about sex a lot in front of the kid, but he talked about how he would fuck Claudia Schiffer in Sam's bedroom. Which I mean, was, he also talked a little across the line. I will say though that I don't think so. There are not a lot of no. Okay, editing myself. The thing my mom did well, if we're gonna give like spaces of grace and credit was my mom demystified the idea of sex for me so that I didn't have that, like, like, she didn't, she never, she, mm-hmm. she never, like, was, gro- like, you don't want to hear about your parents. She didn't give me details or anything, but, like, sex was not so mysterious that it was problematic for me when I was a teenager. And mm-hmm. I almost think the way that he talked was almost the way that my, like, my parents would be, like, just, that this is a thing that happens so so in that way and you know that but it helped you know like the the story of joanna the little girl that he loved he spent all his time like trying to make this plan and it brought what would have been a very awkward situation because even if he had been around for a while it's still a stepson and he has to like create this relationship without the cushion that was the mom you know Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So he kind of made reference to that, that it became a lot more serious that he was the stepfather because it was kind of implied that maybe he didn't have as an active role in like tending to his emotional needs because Sam's mother did it. Um, I don't know. I think that there's a, a theme that goes through this film and Sa Sam's story is one of them that essentially that you can be in love with somebody without really actually knowing them and that mm -hmm. it, it, it can happen instantly and yeah. that you're like tied in. And yeah. I, I got to say, I don't love that. <laughs> So you don't love that Aurelia and uh oh and, I hated that. Oh that I hated get, that. Get I hated that. First. Yeah, but her fucking sister was worth it. To me, that whole thing was worth the sister being like, My dad's gonna sell Aurelia to mm. this English guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, okay. that was hilarious. But in general, like there seemed to be a well, if you feel it, you feel it, and you know at whatever cost you should just keep kind of feeling it so then you had so you had that with colin jamie and aurelia so colin firth um he can't speak he can't speak portuguese but he falls in love with aurelia because it's like a vibe i guess and then you have the same so kind cute. of they kept saying the same thing to each other <laughs> <laughs> I know, but different. Yeah. And then you kind of have, um, I mean, let's fucking call it out. Um, I need to figure out their names. Andrew Lincoln's character. Oh, uh, Mark. Mark, Peter, and Mark. Julie. Fucking Mark was like yeah. in love with his best friend's wife. And they um, never talked. And they literally <laughs> never talked. So it kind of had this thread of like and then laura lenny's character uh what was her name sarah and carl sarah yeah and sarah carl. was in love with carl never talked to carl so it, it it almost seemed like a lot of the romantic loves were based on uh well i don't really know you that well but i see you from afar and like yeah. sure i did that in middle school i had a crush on a dude named zach because he was nice to me once you hey, know Thanks <laughs> what's up Zach? <laughs> um but it it so i think as i'm older i'm like that kind of attitude that love is so instantaneous and you have to fight for it and move quickly i think really emphasizes like love bombing right mm -hmm. yeah so um by the way, I just want to point out, just side note, you drew out a schematic and um, there is one on Wikipedia. I'm sure that there was. <laughs> I was like, I know this exists, but I'm doing my own because I That's wanted to talk about how, how the- well, We didn't talk about that, right? You have, Jess has a whole schematic drawn yeah. out where she was trying to like figure out all the relationships. And I was going to announce them in like an order to show like how they all because a bunch of them were at Peter and Juliet's wedding. Laura Linney was there. Colin was the caterer there. You know, like they're really good friends with, you know, so like those pieces because they're really good friends with Jamie. That's why yeah. he found out his girlfriend was cheating because she he was at the wedding. She pretended to be sick and she was boning his brother. Brothers. Gross. So gross. gross. So. Well, one thing, how do we feel about the interconnected plot thing? I used to love it. And yeah. then when I was watching it this time, I was like, eh, 
I don't know if it's because other like movies and shows have done that over time where I'm kind of desensitized, but I remember like being super into that. So I think some of them were too big a stretch. So for example, we know that I'm in love with Martin Freeman and I do think it is the most innocent consensual storyline in the whole fucking movie. Right. But it didn't make like, why were they at the child's play at the end? I don't there was no connection to them knowing one of the children. I don't know why they went to that. They had already actually left that same night from a date. So I don't know how they got back together. I'm very confused about all of it. Um, So like that was one story. And then at the end, it kind of emphasized that he they knew Colin and Tony. So the guy who went to America. Mm -hmm. So um. So that was kind of well. They knew Tony the whole time because he was the one like directing them, right? Oh, yeah, he was. Der, hello, hi, yes. But yeah. I didn't. But like, why was Tony at that wedding in the back in the right. catering area? Which was like, so I feel like th- they kind of tried to stretch some. And I don't think when I was younger that I noticed it as much. But then when I was watching it this time, I was like. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Like he's just sitting in the back and then Colin comes back after catering. It's like, how did that, why was he there? What was his role? So this is my hot take. I think that the Colin storyline and as much as I love everything about Martin Freeman and the Martin Freeman storyline could have been eliminated from the movie. It would have saved us 15 minutes and made this movie under two hours. And I don't know, besides the fact that they were the only sweet, because I do think they're the only sweet storyline. Everything else had kind of an ick factor to it or a sad factor to it. Well, I think Billy Mac and Joe are also a sweet storyline, but but I think that those two are so far away. And then maybe even Billy Mac and Joe, because he's they don't have any interrelationship with the people except that their music. Everyone's comes- watching them on TV. Right. Mm-hmm. And that Bill Nye would get into that movie like he's been in everything fucking well love let's talk about this do you know what story was excluded from the film no so there was an extra story that was fully Jesus christ it was gonna be like a three hour long movie okay keep going well you're gonna be sad when i tell you what it was it was about two elder lesbians where one dies Aww. and they fucking cut that one so they they cut, they cut that out the only gay scene the only non-hetero relationship oh yeah Yeah. i remember watching those and being like oh my gosh like what so two brief scenes featuring the only gay love story um in the first i'm just reading this from wikipedia in the first the headmistress of the kids school of karen's kids school uh goes home to her terminally ill partner geraldine and in the second, Karen acknowledges that Geraldine had died. Oh, no. So we no. would have had that final kind of act of love, right? So mm-hmm. I'm a big Death Cab for Cutie fan, the band. And one I of know their who songs- they are. Thank you for explaining that. <laughs> Our listeners may not, all 20 of them, on a good day. <laughs> um, but... They have a song called What Sarah Said, and in the end, it ends with love is watching someone die. So, who, and then it goes, So, who's going to watch you die? And I always say that watching someone die is like the biggest act of love. And yeah. so, it's really sad. Like, 
I guess technically they had the death with um they covered that with Daniel and Sam. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it kind of like starts with like love beginning and love ending, like a you know, like a wedding and a funeral. So you could tell they were kind of getting into that, but I think this one would have maybe they just thought it was too sad on top of that other death that well and and you know the the karen emma thompson's character like that's you know so can we talk about that i know i'm jumping but can we talk about that one for a minute because this is what fucks me up the most about that Mm -hmm. what fucks me up the most about that is that watching and you know in real life emma thompson alan rickman were best friends Uh uh-huh emma thompson gave his funeral like eulogy best friends but when i think about the way that that relationship looked minus mia looked perfect to me they were like they were like partners in a general genuine way they like joked Mm -hmm. with each other they laughed at each other they joked like they just not on his bullshit right and they just seemed like the kind of couple that was more realistic than the rest of these bullshit, like fall in love with you in a second. And right. then like this, I'm sorry, I'm a hot take it. I don't think Mia's even a cute enough girl to Ugh, fuck up. Fuck tooth bitch. Compared to Emma, I'm sorry, Emma <laughs> Thompson is so much prettier than Well, that. you know what's interesting? Just a side note. Mm-hmm. This was that. So remember how we talked about how watching Lee Neeson was hard? Mm-hmm. So there's a scene when Karen's like melting down, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing she probably tapped into the fact that her ex Kenneth Branagh fucking cheated on her with, with Helena Bottom Carter, who looks like Mia. <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't even put that together. But I just like I guess it hit me harder because now as a 42 year old woman who is married to someone who is genuinely my best friend i like hate how dorky that sounds but if like push comes to shove the person i want to hang out with in quiet on vacation whatever is my husband so i saw myself in that relationship like that they were like called each other on the bullshit but seemed happy and joked with each other and and i was like oh fuck and then I got murderous towards my husband. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but like, but like for them to seem like that and him to in her, she war- she said to him, you better watch it with that one because mm-hmm. she saw it coming faster than he did. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was like, oh, that was a killer, man. That one this time around hurt me more because I was like, damn, like they look like the perfect partners. And even that can be fucked up. So let me ask yeah. you this. Do you think they fucked? I don't know. I didn't think so. I didn't put it like that. For the first, like, several times I watched this film, I said no. I said no, they did not fuck. And that he course corrected. Right. um, Because she called him out. But then I either read something. I saw something that was like, no, they definitely fucked. And here's why. Mia so the the whole plot is that um what what is his name in the film uh Harry so Harry buys a gift for Mia a necklace 
And then at the same time, he buys Karen like a CD. So lame gift versus really cool gift. Which it wouldn't have been a lame gift if he hadn't bought the necklace for someone else. It right. would have been very hard she hadn't seen it. Yeah. Right. So, but it was like 270 pounds, which is like mm. 500 American. Yeah. Um, so someone pointed out that there's a that there's a scene where Mia puts it on. She's but she puts it on after getting out of a tousled bed and she's in her underwear and she is people in her underwear. Were saying yeah and people were saying that that's proof that they fucked Ugh. Ugh. and you know that's the thing is that emma thompson tried to like get it quickly right like she the same day she did not wimp out around the conversation what would you do if you were right. me you found out your husband bought someone else a necklace and your question, is it just a necklace? Is it a necklace in sex? Or worse, is it a necklace in love? Right. And she told him, see, I, that's where it would be different. Now, I'm not saying I anticipate my husband doing any of these things, but this is where it'd be different because I'd be like, fuck you, goodbye. <laughs> and I would just, yeah. it would, because I told you this shit was going to happen. You didn't listen. So fuck that'd you. That would be devastating to me as, oh. as someone, because gift giving is like one of my love it's like a top yeah. love language right and so like if you gave someone a thoughtful gift and then you gave me one that's like kind of shitty i i would just be devastated on that alone but his reaction where he's like oh i've been a fool makes me think they didn't fuck yet I but i think it's kinda, not. <laughs> i don't know but his storyline i want to talk about a general theme that came up um, and at least 33%, you mentioned that there's nine couples. You mm -hmm. told me that. Uh, at least 33% of them are essentially boss and employee relationships. Right. right. <laughs> so let's quickly go through the two types of sexual harassment. Should we have a teaching moment? Yes. <laughs> so there's two in American law in general, there are two types of sexual harassment. There's what's called a hostile work environment, and that's unwanted conduct based on your sex that's severe, persistent, or pervasive so that it denies or limits your ability to fully enjoy the benefits of the workplace. This likely isn't those things because you have to be unwanted and it looks like the parties kind of want to be part of it. Now, the other half is quid pro quo, and that is the idea. And again, I'm not giving legal advice. I'm just giving life rules. General sexual harassment <laughs> lessons. <laughs> Quid pro quo is when there's a power differential. So at least two of them, that's what we're dealing with, right? With the prime minister and with Harry. When there's a power differential between two people and there's an offer made contingent on something else. So if you have sex with me, then I'll give you a promotion or a raise. Those kind of things are kind of the typical ways it shows up. And, what, and if you don't, or if you don't, I will then demote you or fire you um because america that happens a lot so so in that case the offer itself is the problem and whether they reciprocate or not doesn't really matter so for example with the harry and mia situation mia was going after harry for sure she would still likely win that lawsuit because she could say something like oh but He's my boss, and I thought he wanted that kind of attention, and da 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 da. Um, so, like, listen, people, don't fuck your secretaries is kind of the first, <laughs> regardless of how beautiful they are, uh, not a good idea. And also, but in this situation, 
you know, we're dealing with two bosses and an associate. And the real problem for these ones, right, even though both Natalie loved the prime minister and then even though she kind of only met him twice before she got moved and then uh, Mia loved Harry or Mia wanted to fuck Harry, whatever it was, um, in both of those cases, they don't really have a meaningful option to get out of them. So even if the person who at the lower level is like the aggressor in the scenario, they don't have a meaningful opportunity to get out of it because it's still your boss. So if you're unhappy in the relationship and you try to leave it, then there's a potential wallet impact. And that's the fear of that is why that even those situations would still fail. They would still lose a sexual harassment claim because they've ended up creating a less than meaningful solution in those situations so for like harry and mia all i kept thinking was like she's pretty aggressively going after him that doesn't mean that harry if he felt that conduct was unwanted he could go through the hostile work environment process in their space for sure and say you know she keeps on hitting on me she's putting me in a really awkward spot i'm the boss i can't be in this situation you go to hr and you do the process there it was a big company, but I mean, it's also in London, so they have little different laws. But in American law, that's what he would have to do to protect himself in that scenario. And then the same with Natalie. Like, I mean, they kind of like more, I don't know, it was less like aggressive towards one another to find the love. But yeah, so. Do you think that, so at one point, David, the prime minister, mm-hmm. um, relocates natalie after she experiences sexual harassment from the u.s president which cool um do you think that that like was an appropriate move that he essentially moved her um i think primarily because of his feelings for her yeah i i mean like if we so so if i were telling him what to do knowing that he had a crush on one of his employees, I would say you need to make that employee keep them at the same level. Don't demote them, but shuffle that employee so they're not in your sight line every day is a protective measure that I would have most certainly put on. And and you could take it two different ways the way that it happened. So Billy Bob Thornton, first of all, Hugh Grant saying Billy Bob Thornton was more attractive than him is bananas. I mean, he was married to Angelina Jolie at the time. Yeah. Gross. So. <laughs> he's still disgusting all i think of is bad santa and i just want him yeah. to take a shower every yeah, time i see billy bob enough. thornton but um but uh that i think it seemed to me in the movie how i read it was he was more motivated by his feelings because he like straight went like i'm willing to go to war with america because you talked to the girl i liked like that was bananas of a move so yeah I think that that was probably the smart thing for him to do to relocate her. Mm. Okay. Yeah. It got, it kind of got a little bit like fuck America yeah. for a second. Which there. I was like, into. <laughs> <laughs> but it was also like the British saying fuck America. It was like, ah, yeah, they're, they're not much better. Yeah. <laughs> they well, created this, month al- this week alone, there was a certain United Nations, um, resolution that went out and those two little bitches are the only two little bitches who didn't vote yes Mm -hmm. for it so fuck both of them um is what i'm saying 
And so that scene was interesting to me because I was like, yeah, UK will be little bitches and do whatever the US wants it to do. And US is fucking aggressive bitches. And that has not changed. Right. Um, and and it's like, and so the UK, it's so such a bizarre thing, but UK politics kind of always mirrors after us. So, you know, mm-hmm. they got their version of Trump, not not as bad, but the same yeah. kind of like guy with a crazy wig on being right. a nutbag. And so they always have someone that kind of, reciprocate like a dorky little cousin yeah yeah and and so so in that moment you're like maybe (laughs) maybe if hugh grant maybe if hugh grant was the prime minister then he would have no no he's been arrested (laughs) launching off (laughs) yeah right so i would say so i mentioned 33 percent because the other one that was uncomfortable is I just think there was this whole romanticization of falling in love with a woman you have power over because with Jamie and Aurelia, it was the same thing. Like Mm. she was cleaning up after him. And so it's kind of like, oh, you fell in love with her when she was catering to your every fucking whim and cleaning after you the whole time. Like that's what made you fall in love with her. Okay. Because she stripped into granny panties and jumped in the lake after your stupid cute she had matching brown panties which i thought was cute it was cute but it was just like i liked i did like that they didn't make it like overtly like a lace bra when i'm jumping like cleaning you know Mm -hmm. but um but the other two but also martin freeman so john and judy were a work relationship Mm -hmm. and so were sarah and carl so yeah but, well, those know. so those are more colleagues, though. So right. I guess so I'm making the distinction the of man though. having power over somebody mm-hmm. versus being equals. So but, in those two, it could have been hostile work environment because you can harass a coworker. Well, so what I'm do saying. you think? Of, what do you think about Harry going to Sarah and being like, "You want to fuck Carl? You better land that shit." Like, yeah. how? Where does that fall? See, that's why he was so like, that's why that character gets me so much because he kind of had this like, like with a, a young, attractive female coworker, a younger, attractive female coworker. He was like, everyone knows you're in love with him. Just do it. And had this big brother role. But then he became a sleazebag, too. I don't know. That is. Here he gets me. And now that Alan Rickman's dead, I like can't be mad at him over it. I don't know. I feel I have mixed feelings about all of it. But but you know, I do think he provided her in that moment not appropriate boss behavior, but like appropriate friend. Like you're not gonna get rejected, so stop being afraid and start living for yourself. And really, you know, it's funny when I look up this movie, they talk about the tragic storylines. That's the one that a lot of people found the most tragic because like she ended up having just being a caretaker for her son. I mean, her brother mm-hmm. instead of. Which is another kind of love. Right. And it, but instead of like putting love, herself first, you will. That yeah. one always breaks me. Yeah. But I do also, I think I watch it differently now because I'm like, oh, that's the kind of unconditional love that you have for somebody with mental health issues. Right. Um, and I personally know somebody who uh, deals with uh, a lot of mental health issues with someone close to them to the point where this person acts very, um, 
what's the word like um like they hate that person and then that mm-hmm. person has to respond with love and right. um i think that uh that is one of the more palatable forms of love in this film but i also think it borders way into codependency which mm-hmm. doesn't end up helping right um now you mentioned brother and i was like can't say my brother has ever told me to fuck somebody but uh sure (laughs) me and my brother would talk like that to each other who me and my brother jay would talk like that to each other well that's great my mine don't talk to me like that (laughs) but anyway uh okay so you think it was like okay and i think it was highly problematic um okay well no i'm not saying that it's appropriate boss behavior behavior, but friend behavior but i can see like friends doing that and she was close to the whole family like she was hanging with uh with uh emma thompson's character at the christmas party like they were friends too and she was you know what i mean so she seemed closer to to their boss's wife well i mean they could also just be friends i i say this though Carol's friends with like everybody though. (laughs) Right. But I do think that there, I don't think, yeah, if my like male boss who I didn't know very well called me in. Mm -hmm. But I do think I have had bosses before that I have been good enough friends that they would have had that conversation with me. But they've all been females. (laughs) Do we know? So like earlier I mentioned work culture. I just think they had a very loose culture. Do we even know what kind of field they were in? No. I was thinking advertising, which like makes sense. Makes sense. I yeah. I think that I think that Carl did something artsy, like marketing. Yeah. And she was always holding number. like papers and shit. And she was clerical, do you think? What'd you say? I think something number number yeah. related. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like she was definitely in a job where she kept to herself. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, well, let's get into the fat phobia. Oh, Jesus Christ. So I got to tell you, you mentioned Aurelia's sister. And she was the only person in this entire film where my body type was kind of represented. Right. And her family had straight up fucking disdain for her. Like the donut queen. The uh, Mrs. Miss Duncan Donuts 2003, which was just an out of place joke no because because i'll tell you something i'm from a portuguese town tell me i'm from a portuguese town and the only people who can own a dunkin donuts and do it right are portuguese people it is embedded in the culture (laughs) but it's okay but you left out a very crucial piece that you were in the boston area which is like is known for dunkin donuts right known for portuguese i'm one of the most portuguese people and dunkin donuts yeah so i get that but do you think in, I'm guessing they were in Portugal, yeah. is Dunkin' Donuts big there? Or do you, do you mean that it just- They go back and forth thing? a lot. It's a small country and I know a lot of them. So they go back and forth a lot. <laughs> Let's ask, we should ask our resident Matt. Portuguese. Matt's Portuguese. So is AJ. Oh, we can ask them both. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to text AJ. Are there Dunkin' Donuts in, Portugu- in Portugal in 2003? Yeah. <laughs> I think that there probably are. That place is okay. there. Well, I'll I'll ask. Um, I'll just send AJ around. Or it was just a product that. placement moment that says, "Uh, hey, 
what's your relation what's the portuguese relationship with dunkin donuts Let's see what he says they're the only people who can do them right that's all i'm saying dude i gotta tell you the weekend i got married in chicago um we were at a hotel that was across the street from a joint dunkin donuts and baskin robbins uh-huh. and we live somewhere where there was a dunkin donuts but so in ithaca back to ithaca they're hippies there right and they have like a law where you can't have franchises within like a certain area of town like it couldn't be central it had to be like on the outskirts so like any franchise like walmart was way out there any kind of franchise was like on the outskirts of the city and very difficult to get to via public transport so we ate mostly local restaurants there was a dunkin donuts there but it was so far away that it was such a novelty to be so close (laughs) to dunkin donuts that that's one of my memories the town i grew up in there are two across the street from each other that's how saturated dunkin donuts are wow i love it in brockton massachusetts so right. anyway, um, but you know, they hated like her dad was so fucking mean to her, called her Miss Dunkin' Donuts, and he was mm-hmm. like, I would pay someone to get get rid of you, like to yeah. marry you, get you out of my house. Well, so, and she made the fat joke about the sister early because she was like, Don't eat yeah, that. Aurelia croissant. was like, Yeah, I'm not gonna eat this croissant because if you, if you saw, saw my sister, sister you know what? So there's one thing. So she's the only one who's even remotely close to the size I was at the time. Right. Number two. Natalie, who was likely probably a size what four, six. Yeah, they keep talking about how fat she is. Like yeah. how well they keep calling her chubby. She her boyfriend left her because she was fat. Her dad called her poor plumpy. 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 Yeah. Um at the end, Hugo. Oh, I forgot about that part. And I was like, so like you. throughout the whole movie, me too. Like, well, no, actually, I did remember that. But throughout the whole movie, and this is the part I forgot. Like when people call her fat, he's like, "What do we call her chubby?" Like he's yeah. basically like defending her because he's like, "I don't think so." Right. But then at the the very end, like the last scene with them, he picks her up and he's like, "Oh, you have gained weight or something?" No, he said, "You're pretty heavy. You're pretty heavy." <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, shut up!" And like it's supposed to be like quirky, but like after all that, you then make a joke. Like, I get that, you know, people are sarcastic or dry or whatever, especially British people at the same time, like jokes that poke fun at someone's like something that they're very vulnerable about. It's not funny to me. Right. And then there's also Emma Thompson calls herself fat too. Oh, yes. And Alan Rickman's like, shut up, and then just walks away. But I mean, yeah, there is a lot of focus on like, that's like the thing to make people make fun of people for in this movie, which none of the people and the sister is not she's not like the way they talked about the sister, you'd think she was my 600 pound life fat. She was just chubby, right? (laughs) Right. So, yeah. So that that was a real bummer. Um, Mm -hmm that whole thing because i remember being a teenage girl and watching that and being like oh like she's fat like yikes you know like if she's fat then 
And I was a genuinely fat teenager. Like I'm smaller than I was in sixth grade now. So Mm -hmm. I was like a pretty big girl and like those kind of things. It was just, it was just always the butt of the joke. There was no, there was nothing that made me feel like I wasn't gross. Yeah. You know? Well, I, um, I would say I'm the same size now that I was when I was in high school and like junior high, probably. And golly, did movies like this and like pretty much everything about the media. Like I grew up hating my body Mm -hmm. and like thinking I was fat and disgusting. And, um, and it's because of media like this, where like this size, maybe eight, I'll go up to eight for the woman who played Natalie. Natalie, I'd have to like look up her size, but they call her fat. And that's like a running joke. It's like, no wonder why so many of us grew up hating our bodies. Because if you, if you weren't getting it home, which I did, you're also getting it from the media. Right. So, um, that, that was, that's always been a tough one, but I think the older I get, the more I'm like, oh, that's like very problem- problematic. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, do you have anything else? Any other? No. Uh, discuss? Mm, nope. I think that I am, um, I am good to go into I loved it, hated it, and cringiest. Do you have yours? Uh, Yeah. So the thing that I loved and continue to love is the the real life footage of people at airports. So it starts with that, ends with that. And that's the part that actually made me cry when I was 17 was uh, God only knows by Beach Boys playing. And you're just watching all these scenes of real life love, people greeting each other at airports, saying goodbye, whatever. And I travel a lot, so I fly back and forth from Portland, Florida, and mm-hmm. back. And one of my favorite parts of, it's usually Portland-based. <laughs> I'm oh usually God. not as excited to come back to Florida. When I come to Florida, um, I'm hit, like, as soon as I, like, open the, which I'm going to do in a week from now, woo, um, but I, when I leave the Florida airport, the first thing I'm hit with is, hot humidity and mm-hmm. also cigarette smoke because yes. that airport which i guess i am landing in a different airport so it might be different but the airport where i live where my house is it doesn't have any smoking rules like so you can smoke right at the entrance so everyone who hasn't smoked in a while will go smoke cigarettes right at the entrance so it's like i'm always like cranky and mad by the time i'm like in that airport but in Portland, there's so many like cool things you see, um, especially when you're arriving. And it's, I've seen people get welcomed to America, like in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's like their families there and there's like flags from their country and stuff. Oh, I've cool. seen veterans get welcomed back. I've seen that in like Florida too. Um, and just like, there's something about that that like I hadn't even flown yet I mean maybe as a baby but when I watched it the first time that like that's something that's made it into my consciousness like anytime I'm I'm in an airport is that love's all around us 
Yeah. Um, let's see. Hated it. Uh, you know, probably the fat phobia. I also hated the transphobia. Uh, there it was very like it was like sprinkled in there, but uh. <laughs> Apparently, Mark hired sex workers, and then they ended up being um, trans, and so uh, then they just said, oh, it's men, instead of maybe, like, trans yeah. women or whatever. So that was gross, and then Karen was talking about Barbie and said it looked like a transvestite. A little gross. Um, oh, mm. I didn't catch that one. I yeah. missed one of them, and I was like, oh... Something or dominatrix. Okay, that's, yeah, keep going. I didn't hear that's what she said. Oh, also a second favorite was anytime Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> we forgot to talk about, so Rowan Atkinson, the moral compass of the movie. Yes. Right? <laughs> he was trying phenomenal. so hard. He tried, so that Mr. B, like it was he so. He was giving Harry every opportunity to, to change his that. mind. It was incredible. And then um, when he blocked the kid from going out and then he did the little wink, like he was supposed yeah. to be the the Jiminy Cricket of the movie, I guess. A true king. Yep. Um, cringe, just because I want to get this in there. Uh, when Sarah and Carl are making out and then Sarah's phone rings, Carl says something that's like, is answering going to fix him? And I was like, Whoa! What I the mean, fuck? it's real, though. <laughs> it's real. Like, that's the thing, is that, like, that, she, I almost that really needed to cringe. hear that. Yeah. But that whole scene yeah. where she's, like, answering her phone instead of just making out, that is cringe. Yeah, for sure. What about you? Uh, So, my hated it is Alan Rickman in that relationship. Obviously, I'm taking this very personally, and I'm very sad about, uh, about that. Um, and then I wrote the fat jokes as well. And we've missed one of them. It was the, I'm going to go with my fat manager, the ugliest man alive. That that's the way that, uh, oh, yeah, they, he was body about. shaming the fuck out of his, right. Yeah. Only to tell him he was in love. With him. And then he's like, oh, you yeah. hung out with Elton John for an hour and now you're playing on the Maypole. And I was like, oh Lord. But, um, so that was my. That was my, uh, those are my two least favorites. The cringiest was the whole Colin storyline. I fucking hated it. And like, oh, and to so many levels, like, I'm sorry. I know Shannon, oh, why am I forgetting Shannon Elizabeth? Shannon, yes. Shannon Elizabeth and Denise Richards were very hot at the time, but like harder than Elijah, Eliza, shut the fuck up. Like, first of all, January oh, yeah. Jones I is cuter than both. Like all three of the original girls. I'm Wait, Eliza, what? It wasn't Dushku. It was um, no. It's a girl the blonde from uh, Eliza. <laughs> the, the blonde, the the one from uh, the Happy Endings, which is, yeah. I would argue, the best sitcom that ever existed, and it's dumb that it's not on anymore. Um, so and like January Jones, she's beautiful. She's, she's Alicia Cuthbert. Alicia Cuthbert, yes. Um, so, but then him like saying like, I just want to go to America so I can like fuck girls. And he's like gross and nerdy and like makes us like, I don't know the, he's the kind of guy that I would not want to be alone with. Well, it's a parody, right? But it also like, 
it's kind of weird because his friend is like that's ridiculous that's not going to happen and then right. it almost is a fantasy how it all happens right and that storyline would have been so much more funny if he did get shot down and that right. it didn't work out and i think it was supposed to be like a parody of that but um it just ended up painting american girls as stupid poor slutty yeah yeah Hot. and and that he's so he's like he's so charming and unattractive and like now yeah. well i think it's just because he's charming because of his accent right like the whole thing is like yeah whatever listen i know a whatever. terrible person one of the worst people i've ever encountered in my life is a british person and i am 100 sure that this person gets away with a lot of what they get away with because they have a british accent and they're just like oh gee golly gosh i did this thing again and like i swear to god like i have so much hatred for this person that i'm like yeah dumb bitches will do that i will tell you that on <laughs> so I fall in love with my husband for very different, for many different reasons all the time. But one of the times that I was like, I really love this guy. <laughs> we were in a bar and it was during the World Cup and the UK was playing a South American team and, and it was really close to 4th of July and all the people were cheering for the <laughs> UK and he was so fucking mad and he's like, on 4th of July? They are our enemies. Like this is fucking racist. And he's in the bus like, being so loud about how it's just racist because there's no reason to be on the UK's team during the 4th of July. And it was so fucking funny. But anyway, I digressed a lot. But so, yeah. Okay. British people, you don't get a pass from me, sisters. Uh, uh, so that was my cringiest. I hated like all of that part. I thought like it was just to throw in extra actors. I thought it was pointless to the storyline. It brought nothing to me. That yeah. was helpful. That could have been cut for sure. For sure. And put in the lesbian line. And maybe they just needed something that was just light. But mm -hmm. ew. At and what my... cost? <laughs> <laughs> At what cost? And then my favorite... Like I already said it is Aurelia's sister going, my, my dad's gonna sell my sister to this Englishman. <laughs> like not come wrong. on, watch my dad selling it. I thought that was so funny. I loved every part wrong. of it. <laughs> and then I also I did love the I did not love how Billy Mac talked to his manager about his body. Yeah. It was obviously something that made him uncomfortable. But I did love that ultimately. He said to him, you're the person that I love. Like, you're my best. And and I think having the best friend line mm -hmm. of love, because all these intersected, right? Like Emma Thompson needed Hugh Grant's character at the right moment, even though that's not why he was there. And like she was a big support system for Liam Neeson's character. So there were all like kinds of different. But I like I love that one of the lines was just a friendship love because yeah. my friends are so my friends are so important to me and you are so important to me. My girlfriends are all so important to me. And that is a love that is different, obviously, than I have with my husband, but it's as important to me. Mm -hmm. And so I love that there was that. Yeah, I've always loved that storyline too, where he's like, 
I thought he said this, but I think I'm getting it wrong. Where he says, "Like, turns out you ended up being the love of my life." Yeah, something. he does. Yeah, <laughs> and like that always like resonated with me because uh, I am also big on friendships. I I don't know if we were to talk about, it, but one of the reasons why we started this was so we could keep in touch. Yeah. Yeah. because you you moved away I mean I'm somewhere else most of the time anyway I've been that way for five years but then you moved out of the city we had in common right so then we were like this will be a great way to keep in touch and so um right. and I think that platonic relationships they do take a level of effort to mm-hmm. maintain them so yeah. um I I think that was a good one too so does it pass the smell test like what do you think <laughs> This I guess one is so hard for me. Like half of it, yes, and half of it, no. Right, right. You know, I would say uh, contemporarily, I've seen more people going, "Love Actually" is a terrible film. Yeah, uh, than not. So I would say, like, maybe I'm just chronically online, but I would say the um, the cons- <laughs> the the reigning. Uh, the dominating thought on uh like uh, on social media amongst um the younger generation so the generation that was perhaps born when this came out they are horrified at this film yep yeah 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 um i think if it was made today i'd be like this sucks (laughs) yeah and you know the other part of it is this doesn't really have anything to do with ethics but it's too long it's kind of boring like I, like the whole chunk, it took 45 minutes before the first love story started. That's too long. Yeah. Well, they had too to much. context. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's funny. It was both long, but also rushed through some of the connections right. in ways that were never explained. Right. 100%. <laughs> so yeah, let's go with a no. Let's put the does not pass the smell test moment on this. Yeah, I would love to see. I mean, it's been 20 years. It's due for a remake. Um, <laughs> Someone will probably track. Though there is that really, there's a show on Amazon. Fuck, I wish I knew love. the name of it. It's called well, Love, right? No. The one the one that's an anthology. Yeah, that like Anne Hathaway was like a character. Uh-huh. Yes, I love that film. And I was thinking about it. I think they got sloppy because they tried to interconnect everything at the end. What at was the end called? of that first season. it was called um is it not it's not called love because that's the one on um it's based uh that's the one on netflix but it's based modern love it's based on a new york times articles yeah articles i love that and i love that i didn't like the 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 mix up at the but i loved that show it's so good so i would say that's a uh a recent, yeah, yeah yeah um yeah no i love that i love that series so much yeah. um the episode with uh julia what's your face garner uh-uh. julia garner yeah 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 it's good <laughs> excellent anyway yeah i would say the modern love's probably a better if i had to suggest the mo- uh movie or series that covered that and also in terms of christmas there was a lot of like if not at christmas when and it's like eh, any other time (laughs) yeah like tuesday tuesday is a good time too when you're ready um instead of getting caught up in the 
the spirit of the the season and then making bad choice i've seen some people make bad choices just because it's uh this time of year um so <laughs> so listen folks if you're listening it's 15 days before christmas uh i will tell you in my personal opinion i don't think that it's a romantic time to get engaged if that is all you have bought them for your Christmas presents, go buy them another one and it's wait lazy. until January 2nd. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Actually, just wait until the whole Valentine's Day season is over. Don't you, know, you don't can probably do buy yourself. Christmas. I mean, don't I say that, me. but my husband proposed to me on a long car ride because I told him that I thought we were going to break up on the long car ride and he thought it would shut me up and it did. So, oh. Because not because he was annoying me on the car ride, just because I'm bad at long car rides. And I was like, I don't know if our relationship can make it. So we started <laughs> it by proposing and then we made it. Here we are. Yeah, I wasn't. My uh, engagement happened through a conversation as well. So <laughs> I'm not into like when I think about being proposed to in front of a group of people, it's I just get cool. very overwhelmed. And like, I would that not like sounds that. like a nightmare. I mean, there are some people who like that, but I, that would have I mean, made me. I am not one of those people. So, nope. um, Matt cool. and Jay got engaged in front of a big crowd and that was fun. That was them. But they're into that. Are they into yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, it was their friends. It wasn't like, right. Strangers. I mean, that's fun, but still more to Not my vibe. No, nope. I would have. Yeah. <laughs> All right. With that being said, y'all, it was a pleasure talking to you about our old favorite And uh, we still have one more Christmas or holiday in general movie slot available. We might, maybe we just need to go the route and pick some terrible Hallmark movie and watch it. Cause we, cause Diane has one that's great. We're going to talk about, but I'm really, I don't know, man. I don't know what to do. So tell us out, help us out. Find us on all the social medias. Mm -hmm. Meltest podcast. On Insta, the Smell Test Podcast. And then on Twitter, formerly known as X, we're Smell Test Pod. <laughs> All right. Wait, thanks, I y'all. just said it wrong. X, formerly known as Twitter. Yep. There you go. <laughs> there Whatever go. it is. All that, right. We're, we're still enemies of the X because uh, of our dink lifestyle. So yeah. let's talk about that. <laughs> All right. Bye, Take y'all. Care, everybody.